you've come to the right place. If you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program, I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Josh Hall. You can find him at joshhall.co. He is what I would consider a classic education entrepreneur. He's a WordPress pro. He's a Divi guy. He is a course creator, podcaster, template creator. This dude is all about all things education, entrepreneurship, and he's a rock solid WordPress guy. So first, welcome to the show, Josh. Chris, thanks for having me on, man. One of the cool things about WordPress in general, but also in education entrepreneurship is it's often a windy road that gets people to where they are. Tell us about, I call it the turn. For everybody, there's like this event that like kind of turns them or a moment in their timeline. You were a cabinet maker and you still are. You're still a craftsman. I know you, you haven't forgotten how to do that, but how did you make the turn from building cabinets to um, this whole digital WordPress education entrepreneur, like online business owner guy? How did the turn well, happen for you? Great question. And uh, I probably wouldn't trust myself to build a cabinet now. It's been a decade. <laughs> so I don't know if I would trust myself to do that anymore. But yeah, I was a cabinet maker for a tour bus customizing shop here in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm located. And I was doing that for a long time. I actually worked there through high school. I went from sweeping the floors to becoming a cabinet maker. And when the economy got hit really hard in 2008 and 2009, I got laid off. So me and like half the company got laid off. And I had always had an interest in some sort of design or art. So the day after I got laid off, I dove into Photoshop. Now, at this time, I was also a drummer in a rock band, and we were doing the Weekend Warrior thing, and we were getting uh, some pretty decent exposure across the Midwest, and we were traveling quite a bit. And we started getting more serious in the band, so I just started doing all of our artwork. I started doing our t-shirt designs once I got familiar with Photoshop and graphic design. I was doing our CD artwork. And then, uh, I will never forget it, we were traveling, we were playing a show, and somebody was like, hey man, really like your t-shirt designs, how much would you charge, or they were like, who does your designs? And I was like, oh, I do, I started doing graphic design, and they were like, hey, how much would you charge to do ours? And it was like this light bulb went off, Like I like how you called it the turn, where it was like, wow, I could actually make some money doing something I really enjoy. So that's how it all started for me, man. I was a cabinet maker, got laid off. And was doing the band thing and then getting into design. Uh, and then once I started doing graphic design, started building that up, I was actually helping out a, a local church. And they were like, hey, we know you're doing design. No one's managing our website. Would you be interested in taking that on? And I was like, I, I don't know anything about web, but sure, I'll give it a go. I learned Dreamweaver and some just basic HTML code and basic CSS in those days. Uh, and they sent me to the community college here in Columbus to learn a little bit more about web design. And that's what really kind of started the itch for me with web design. So um, that's kind of the, the jettison of how it all started for me. That's awesome. Um, and we, we mentioned on your show, I was having a conversation with you. You have a podcast called the Josh Hall Web Design Show. And I mentioned this framework I use called the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler, which you said you were going to borrow and use. <laughs> 
in your turn, you mentioned the, the hipster, which is the designer. You mentioned the hustler, which is, hey, this church is asking me to do something I don't know how to do. What does a hustler do? They say yes and then figure it out later. And then the hacker, how did you um, how did you like put together like the skills to put together a website? Like what did yeah. how did that come together for you? That's a great question because the hacker was the one that I'm least adept to. Yeah. So I, I was a good designer from the get-go. I've always been interested in design and, and look and feel of things. Uh, I was definitely a hustler as far as doing my own thing. And even when I was in the band, I was kind of like the dude in the band that got everything going. Uh, like everyone kind of relied on me to get the gear ready in time to go to the show. And so I was good. At, I already kind of learned. And actually, I'm a big proponent of different industries translating to WordPress and web design. So I actually learned a lot in the band world that translated to eventually running my own business. But um, so yeah, the, the the hacker was the the part that I really had to work at. So it was really just a matter, and luckily with WordPress, and as you mentioned, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of Divi. Uh, a lot of my students use Elementor though as well. And I've got a lot of people who are using all different tools in and around WordPress and web design. Luckily, you don't need to be too advanced into code nowadays to, to get by, but I am a big proponent of at least knowing CSS. So for me, it was learning the basics of just a basic HTML and then just getting more comfortable with CSS. And then as I started transitioning into web design, uh, I learned more and more about CSS. And then one day it just clicked. I just, I kind of realized I understood the fundamentals and uh, that's what really helped me start to, to build my own freelance web design business and, and create custom websites for clients. Well, let's talk about what I'll call the second turning, which is from services to product. So you, there's, um, you have templates, you have courses, you're creating a, um, like a content engine too, with all this like awesome content you have. What, what caused you to go from like, all right, this church wants to hire me. They can pay me to build a site or whatever. And I'm sure you got more clients after that. Where did the itch for product come? And then how did that transition happen for you? Yeah, so I, it was, let's see, I started working for the church with their website. And then once the word got out that I was doing websites, I, you know, it didn't take long to start referrals. getting referrals for that. Referrals, yeah. yeah. My business is 100% referral based. Um, so essentially, I, I technically started my web design agency in 2010. And actually, funny enough, uh, at the time of recording this, this is my 10-year decade anniversary for my web wow. design agency because I started, we're recording this in October 2020. I, I started it officially in October 2020. Um, so I was doing freelance and I was getting involved in more web design. And then I was doing graphic design and web design for for my solopreneur agency for years. Um, essentially, I started in 2010 and I, I ended up doing more classes at the community college here in Columbus just to learn more about design. I learned Illustrator and Photoshop on a deeper level. And my whole goal was to just work for an agency, like get a job as a designer. But I remember the side business doing freelance, it picked up pretty well. And I think I made like 30 grand or something. And I thought, man, if I made this just working like part-time, what could I do if I went full-time with it? So when I finished my little two-year associate degree, I had already built up some good freelance. I'd come up with my business name, which was actually based off my band's third album. Uh, <laughs> my business name was In Transit, and that was our third album. Um, so long story short, yeah, I, I went for it, and I continued to build the agency up. And then I just 
became a business owner and an entrepreneur over that time. I had no real drive to be a business owner. It just kind of happened. I just kind of fumbled into it, learned a lot about personal development, learned more and more about business. I eventually uh, took more trainings and got involved with some coaching that really helped shape my mindset. And I was a freelancer and a solopreneur until I eventually started scaling my web design business. And I think this was about 2016. I really started hiring some more stuff out. And then once I started scaling it, I realized that the next step for me was I really had a passion for teaching and I had a passion for sharing kind of what I've learned with other folks. So to answer your question, the second turn really happened when uh, I became a part of the Divi community. I started using Divi and I have not used another WordPress theme since 2014. Uh, and then a couple years into using Divi, I realized, holy crap, Divi has an amazing online community. So lots I of them. Became, lots of them. So yeah. I, I, became a, I became a part of some of the Facebook groups. I started a Facebook group called the Divi Web Designers Facebook group. And What year was second, that? That was 2016. And how big That's is it now? 22,000. So, wow. And, we, and we're, we're blocking. We, we have an entrance rate of only about 50, a little over 50%. So uh, we're pretty stingy on who gets in. So it's the second biggest group and it's been amazing. Um, but what I did is when I started that, I had no idea how many other groups there were. And uh, so it was just, you know, persistence and consistency that really helped grow that group. So it kind of gave me a name in, in the industry and in, in, the, in the realm there with Divi. And then back then, sometimes when you would post on Facebook, it would show like the location you were at when you posted. And the content manager for Elegant Themes, who creates Divi, posted in my group and it said Columbus, Ohio under it. And I was like, oh, no way. He lives in Columbus. So I just reached out to him. And I said, hey, man, I'm Josh. I'm a local Divi guy. Love Divi. It's a huge part of my business. I'd love to take you out for coffee. So we met up, had coffee, and then hit it off. And then he, I think about a month later, was like, hey, man, I really you know, like what you're up to with your business. Would you be interested in um, coming on to blog for the Elegant Themes blog? Because I had, I had done some blogging on my website for In Transit. And I was like, heck yeah. So that was kind of the start of that new turn for me because I became an author for the Elegant Themes blog and that really uh, gave me the itch to start giving back to the Divi community. And then I started my personal brand at joshhall.co and then I started doing tutorials. And that's kind of the start of what I'm sure will segue to where things are at now. Well, before we go there, uh, a couple of things I just wanted to unpack. What were what was the coaching mindset shifts or unlock that like helped you in your entrepreneur development? That uh, great question again. I think for me, the biggest thing was becoming a business owner and delegating. Uh, yeah. I tend because I'm a hustler and because I became kind of a makeshift hacker, I could figure almost everything out. And I, you know, even though it would take me three times as longer as a good developer, I could figure out some coding or, you know, how to piece WooCommerce together with, you know, some other plugins and stuff like that. So I just got so used to doing everything on my own. And the shift for me was realizing that I was working so much time in the business, I wasn't working on the business. I wasn't doing any marketing. I wasn't really innovating the business too much. Um, at that point, I had started a website maintenance plan. So it was my first taste of recurring income. Uh, and that experience showed me as well that if I take some time to build out something that's going to value, be really valuable for my clients, yeah, it took some time, but it was my first dose of like really innovating and working on my business. So there was a series of things that kind of led up to that. But one of my clients was actually a business coach. And then eventually I enrolled in their program. So we were kind of clients of each other. 
and that really helped shift my mindset as the business owner. I started being more serious about the business itself, where it was going. And at this point, I had just started delegating and subcontracting out more work. So uh, I really kind of embraced the CEO role. Uh, and what I realized was if there were tasks that I could do, but I knew we were going to take a lot of time. I just started getting off those off my plate. I realized I had to focus on the high-level tasks that only I could do in the business. And it's not that I'm above those little tasks or that I'm better than those. It's just my time is more valuable now as the head of the company. So I learned, you know, whether it was basic Divi stuff or content kind of stuff or troubleshooting CSS issues and stuff like that. Those are the things I could hire out. So that was the biggest mind shift uh, when I started, you know, really becoming a business owner and an entrepreneur. You mentioned being a community builder in the online group. So I'm going to put the pressure on you. If you were to give somebody five principles to build an online group, what have you learned? Like what operating principles would you stand by? And I'll help you keep track. You got five. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, I would say first off, you got to have the heart. You've got to have some sort of mission for it. What's when I started my group, the whole intention was to help people have a safe place, a community that was really going to help build them up and not tear them down because web design groups notoriously are vicious. Um, except for Lifter LMS and my groups. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, most forums like developer and designer forums can be brutal. If you post your work, you'll often get torn apart. And I found that for myself. So I wanted to have a place where people could post their work and have really good community. Uh, I did not intend it to be this big. So it's a little different now, but it's more of just a support group now. But in the early days, it was a very close-knit community. So that was the first thing. I wanted it to be a place that was helpful. I realize that you have to have really good guidelines in place. What are some examples? Any sort of documentation you have to have in place with a product or or a group. So it would be like what kind of posts are allowed, um, you know, any sort of guidelines as far as, uh, again, kind of what's allowed, what's not, how to behave. Um, Some groups are really stingy on like you post tutorials on Tuesdays, you post your work on Wednesdays. We didn't go that route. I kept it very open-ended. But at the same time, I said, I made very strict guidelines in the fact that, you know, don't come to the group and ask for work. You can post an opportunity, but you can't ask for work, you know, stuff like that. So having really clear guidelines was one. I would say the third would be to be engaged. Like if you're going to yeah. be the, the the leader of the group, you've got to be there. You've got to actually show up. Otherwise, it's just going to die. Unless you have a team, which I guess will be point number four, you really need to you really need to be there and really be leading the charge. And you have to be excited about being in that. So I would say being there is the big one. You got you to set the example. Number four would be to have, once it scales, to have a good group of moderators or a team that you can delegate some stuff to so you're not responsible for every approval, yeah. every denial, every issue. That was the big one. <laughs> and then... Um, I'd say five would be just consistency, which that's almost, I think every aspect of business, consistency is always in the mix. You just, you have to be consistent. If if you're really amped up for your group and you post a lot, a couple of days, but then you don't show up for another month, it's not going to go well, particularly in the early days. How often um, do you show up now? Like here we are four years later or whatever. How, how long do you, how often are you there? 
I don't show up as much now just because I have moderators who handle everything. I do a, a request approvals and stuff, uh, or I do approve some requests and everything. But I show up, I mean, I'm in there every day at some point, usually just to pop into request approvals and stuff like, or excuse me, approve requests, some stuff like that. But I don't dump into the threads as much now simply because, um, for one, I found myself getting pinged like crazy. And like personally. Yeah, personally, which is a big issue. I'm actually trying to work some of that out right now. So people would be tagging me like crazy, uh, which was cool in the early days. But now it's like, man, I I also have groups for my courses, which I'm sure we'll get into. So um, there's a lot of different groups. So that main group is essentially, it's it's run by me. I make it very clear that this is a Divi support group by joshhall.co. Um, but I do hop in it use, usually once a week, at least I'll jump in the thread. If somebody has a question or posts my tutorial and has a question, I'll hop in. Um, so I am still active. It's just not as much as I was previous to this because now I do have courses and I have, um, different levels of my community now, my tribe together. Um, but yeah, I still, even at this level, four years later, I'm still in it and I've never, I've never gone more than a few days without at least being, you know, inside it to some extent. Yeah, that's awesome. So just to recap, you got to have passion in your group. You got to set the guidelines, set the frame. You got to be engaged, uh, get your team involved and be consistent. I love that. That's the super, uh, super uh, hard won truths and just a good blueprint of the fundamentals. That's awesome. Well, Let's I didn't talk- have time to think of any better ones. I'm sure after the <laughs> call, I'll come back like, dude, Chris, I thought of five better ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, the big takeaway you said, for me anyways, was that um, there's a lot of bad groups out there. So like making it, especially in tech or especially around products where it can get really negative or whatever, or or people being, uh, you know, trying to use it to grab clients or something like that. Um, So it's not a pass. A group is not a passive thing. It it really isn't. And you got to really invest. It's living, it's breathing, it's people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. And uh, luckily, the Divi community itself is something special. You said yeah. that, I think maybe before we went live, you said you love the Divi community. It is something special. It just attracts good people. Now, that said, with a group of 22,000, we're going to have some bad apples. And right. I mentioned that we have just over a 50% approval rate. Um, we still get a lot of people that slip through there and then they end up spamming or they end up you know, tearing somebody down. Uh, and then we're pretty quick to act on that. And if one of my moderators doesn't know if they should be deleted, then they handle it for me. And that's where the every couple of days, me jumping in there is crucial. Uh, but there's two, I have two thoughts on that. One is that everything rises and falls on leadership. So yep. you, as the leader of any sort of group, you have to set the precedence, which kind of goes back to the five points that we talked about. So um, people are going to see the leader and they generally kind of act like the leader a lot. Uh, and then the second part to that is there's a quote that I heard a while back that I just love as a course creator and as a, as, as a tribe, uh, connector. And that is your vibe attracts your tribe. Wow. So that's good. When you are as somebody who is running a community, people are going to have their own personalities and stuff, but you set the precedent and that goes back to like staying involved. And I love that quote because it really resonated with me. And what was interesting and the way I saw that play out through the years was that there were tons of Divi Facebook groups. There still are. There's a lot of them. But the question is, well, what's the difference between my group and a bunch of other ones? Well, I think, honestly, it's just the the five tips that we went over. It was showing up. It was being helpful. 
Um, even though the group has changed at a higher level now compared to what it was when we just had a few hundred members and it was a lot easier to be really engaged, uh, the the core is still there. It's still a very helpful group. And if somebody's not being helpful, then we nip that pretty quick. Uh, and I even when I jump in there occasionally and people see the owner of the group, you know, giving a free set of uh, snippet of code or some free advice, it still looks really good. And that really sets the precedent. So uh, I've always been really open with just sharing everything I know. Like, here's the playbook. Here's everything I've learned. A lot of people are weird about giving stuff away for free, but I've found that the more you give away for free, um, I've never regretted that. I've never been like, oh, I've given away too much. Even though I have courses and I've repackaged a lot of my free information and premium products, um, it's still it's still worked out really well. So yeah, that's awesome. Good. There. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Well, let's let's talk about the third turning into courses specifically and training what happened there and and tell us about how you got into it and really grew it out and as of this recording i'm just looking at your website how many courses do we have here um, so i have nine nine courses total right <laughs> nine now. courses yeah, well what was first in. and how did you get into that yeah so when I started my Divi group and I became a blog author for Elegant Themes, I started getting some notoriety in the community. And I mentioned that I had started my personal brand site at joshhall.co. And first, I started doing tutorials. I just was doing tutorials like crazy off of what I knew with Divi. Uh, and then somebody called me the Yoda of Divi once, and I love that name. So I just <laughs> rolled with it. I still kind of, it's still, I'm kind of still on that personal brand of the Yoda of Divi. Um, so I started doing that. And then I will say for anyone who wants to produce content, one thing that I did that really helped from the get-go was I did a tutorial a week for 12 weeks. I gave myself some light at the end of the tunnel. So I was able to commit to 12 tutorials, take my time with those. And that those first few months of doing tutorials like blew up my brand. Are those, um, are those blog content or YouTube content or course content? It's both. Okay. Just, just blog and, and YouTube at that time. Okay. I, so I like free content. Yeah, it's free content. Yeah. It'd be like, hey, here's a trick I did on a recent client site. Here's how I did it with Divi, maybe a little bit of CSS. And then that really kind of elevated me initially. And then I started doing that more frequently. So I was doing tutorials, building up my YouTube channel, um, building up my site with the blog. And then my whole goal after that, because I was still running my web design business, but I was scaling it. So I did it on kind of a low level the first year. Uh, I was just doing it essentially part-time, maybe 10, 15 hours a week. I would invest in doing a tutorial, running the Facebook group. Uh, but then it started getting bigger and bigger. And then I started offering layouts that I did with Divi. So like if I came up with a, a team page layout, I would package it up and offer it on my site as just a cheap product, basically. And so a layout's like layouts. a template that somebody else could just suck into their site, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. You could buy you could buy the layout. It's a t page template, and then you could put it up in your site and customize it the way you want. Uh, so I started doing that. I only did a few of those, and it went over really well. And then that got me thinking, you know what? I'm going to do like child themes where I do like full website templates. So that was my whole goal. But uh, what I realized was I really enjoyed the teaching aspect and then, uh, long story short, at this point, my first daughter was born, and uh, we spent 56 days in the NICU, the newborn intensive care unit, with her. So I had to really reevaluate what I was doing. I, I basically put everything I was doing with joshhall.co on hold at that time. I was just overseeing my subcontractors and running in transit. Um, but funny enough, at that time, my YouTube channel got featured on the Elegant Themes blog by another contributor. And then I looked at my subscribers and they like doubled. It went from like 1,000 to like 3,000. 
Um, so once we got out of the NICU and we kind of settled down, I kind of started going back up with more tutorials. And that's when I realized I've learned a lot. And to answer your question, you wonder what like the first course was. My first course was how to create a website maintenance plan for recurring income for web designers. And the reason I was so passionate about that was because our maintenance plan was one of the things that got us through the NICU. Um, because I had a really hard time working in those couple months. I did work from a, a, a Panera, a coffee shop across the street from the hospital. Uh, I wasn't working too much and it was really hard to stay creative. Luckily, I had the team at that point, but our maintenance plan w- was basically paying our bills through that time. The recurring income I had with my clients for hosting and maintenance. So once we got out of the NICU and I had thought about what I wanted to do with joshhall.co, I was like, you know what? I've, I'm so passionate about helping other people have a maintenance plan that I, I want to do a course on this. So I went for it. I, I built out, I kind of came up with an outline. Um, I did go with LearnDash. I know, you know, I'm a big proponent of you, Chris, and what you do with Lifter LMS. I, I ended up using LearnDash, but um, I built the course out and then I launched that in, I think, August of 2018. And it went really, really well. I think I had almost 100 signups uh, for the first like pre-order and launch phase. And I got such good feedback on the course that at really, it was all downhill from there, man. I was full-blown course creator right then. So I was, I basically had, I was about ready to get going on child themes and I, I pushed that to the side and I was like, I'm doing courses. So uh, I did a, after that one went over really well, I did a CSS Divi course, uh, which was a, which is a really big course. Uh, and then once the new year came around in 2019, I went on a tear. I did like four courses in a few months. Um, one on cPanel, because that's really, really important to know just to understand how the file structure works and all that. I did one on my web design process. I did one on WooCommerce and then one as kind of a Divi beginners course. So at that point, my lead designer for my agency was really taken off and able to handle a lot of that. So I almost went like full blown, you know, course creation. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it all started. I went full blown courses then, and, and that's what really set in motion for me to finish kind of like this suite of, of courses. Wow. That is such a cool story. And just tell us briefly, what was the, um, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, like I, I relate to what you're saying. So it's somewhat of a journey of self-discovery. So you're about to become like a child theme creator, which is more of like a software product entrepreneur. And then you discovered this teaching thing. What was it? And you're like, wait a second, this one is resonating stronger than rolling out child themes. Like what, what was that for you that lit you up as a course creator? Well, I've always liked teaching and I, what I realized was doing tutorials was that I'm actually a pretty good teacher. Uh, I got better and better with the tutorials being more concise and being more direct. And I was getting YouTube comments like crazy with people saying like, dude, you've like changed my life. I feel comfortable with Divi and I'm customizing. And that really set the itch for me. Like I really, I mean, child themes can be life changing in a way, but very rarely is somebody going to be like, I bought your child theme and my journey has changed forever. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's very rare that a product's going to do that as much. So I really enjoyed the the human aspect of just really making a big impact with the, the knowledge I was sharing, because I realized too, I've learned a lot in my experience. I, I never considered myself an expert, but I realized, you know, at that point I'd been doing web design freelancing for seven, eight years. And I learned so much that I didn't want to keep to myself. I wanted to share that on a, on a one-to-many level. 
Um, and I'm a big proponent of even if you're like year into your journey, you've probably learned so much that you can start giving back and you can do that for free in Facebook groups or uh, I'm a big proponent of people starting courses pretty early on well as well, just sharing what you know. So uh, that was the big thing for me. I actually, I, I just always like teaching too. I, um, before all this happened, I was actually an advisor. I still am an advisor to a local high school media program. Mm -hmm. And years ago, they would send me in like once a quarter for a full day. And I would have a couple students and I would just show them like how to do websites and some basic design stuff. Um, and that really got the itch for me to, to do that on a bigger level. Now, then it was like one to one or two students who were maybe halfway interested. I had most students were just wanting to learn video game design and they would just kind of space out. Whereas I had some students in there that were like, they were all about it. And when I found the students that were all about it, that just lit me up. It was like the favorite thing I, I had done to that point. So when I started doing courses, I realized it was like those few students I had back then, but it was like hundreds of them. So now I've got hundreds of people who are amped up and fired up and really serious about their business. So yeah, that's that was the initial the initial itch. And then it just kind of it, it grew from there. That's awesome. I'm glad you talked fast because there's so much I want to cover and we only have like 30 more minutes. So um I wanted to dig in for the uh, WordPress freelancers and agency people listening to this. And if you're an expert and you don't build sites for clients, hang in there. We're going to get into the membership and where Josh is going with podcasting and other things. But if we're going to, I'm just going to challenge you again as a, as a course creator, if you could give um, five principles for building a web design maintenance plan. Well, first off, you need to think about your clients because you got to think about the benefit for the client, because if you just think about recurring income for yourself, your client's going to know that and it can come across a little greedy Yeah, uh, because it's awesome. It's awesome for web designers to have this recurring income. It's crucial. Um, so you got to think about your client and you have to the benefit for them. And those benefits are you are their web person there. You're that web guy or that web gal for them ongoing. You have their, you know, they, you are their support person for years to come. Um, so you have to think about it for the client and, and really highlight the benefits. Uh, I would say for you as a web designer, as kind of a number two, it's going to end the feast and famine of web design because web design is very project oriented. So you have really good months and really bad months and a website maintenance and hosting plan really kind of alleviates that often because you can cover your basic expenses with a, with a maintenance plan. It doesn't take too long to scale it and it is scalable. So got to think about your clients. Um, got to think about, you know, how it's going to help your business and how to implement that into your business. Uh, as far as the plan itself, I would say, trying to think of a good way to recap this. Um, I would say limit the amount of tools that you use in your toolbox. I think that's an important thing because we did our maintenance plan and I only use Divi, WordPress, and our handful of trusted plugins and WooCommerce. So, when you have a maintenance plan where you're dealing with a lot of different themes and a ton of different tools, it can be a little tricky because inevitably sometimes there's conflicts between a bunch of stuff. And when you end up bringing people on to help you with your maintenance plan, if you have a subcontractor or something, if you're using Elementor, Beaver Builder, a bunch of different themes and Divi, they're going to have to know all these themes to be able to, to work with that plan. So I found that kind of keeping a, a smaller tool, a set of tools has been really huge. Um, the next big thing is the actual platforms for the maintenance plan. Um, I use Manage WP, but there's some other good ones out there as well. So you want to have something that is 
going to be trusted and that really handles all the main aspects for like updates for plugins, basic optimization. With ManageWP, you can do reporting, which is huge. Keeping in touch with your clients is absolutely huge. Um, the reporting and then you can do backups and stuff like that. So having a platform that's going to work well with all of your tools that you decide on, but then is going to be kind of your your dashboard, your hub for everything that you do for your plan. That's huge. And then as far as kind of a fifth thing, I would really, really encourage everyone to be proactive in keeping in touch with their clients, apart from just sending reports, like really nurture those relationships. And the really cool thing about maintenance plans is not only does it end the feast and famine, but it keeps you from having to sell every day or every week. You can actually, if you get a dozen clients or a couple dozen clients, I, I'm a big believer. And if you get 25 to 30 clients, you should be able to make six figures a year with those clients, with the maintenance income plan that you can circle back to them. It's going to open the door for more projects and more work. So um, those are five of about 50 points I would I would come up with, but those are some of the biggest ones I'd say. That's awesome. Well, I was just looking at your YouTube channel and you're at almost 19,000 subscribers. What tips do you have for somebody as an expert, in your case, Divi and WordPress and being a web designer as a business, like what helped you go from zero to, you know, just almost 20,000 here? Probably goes back to what I said earlier, which is consistency. I just consistently pumped out Divi tutorials, which really elevated my uh, exposure on YouTube and my website. Because contrary to my service business, when I did my agency, that was 100% organic and referral-based. JoshHall.co, on the other hand, is 100% SEO-based. So there's no local referrals with this. It's completely... YouTube search and, and SEO. So consistency was huge. And I just, I didn't go go wild on keyword research. I basically just posted stuff that I learned and I was curious about. Or if I looked for a question and it wasn't addressed or it wasn't addressed well, I did a tutorial on that. Um, and then I branched it off to not only Divi tutorials, but eventually I did more like personal development kind of vlogs and videos and stuff like that. As of right now, it's primarily just my podcast because my podcast is video as well. Um, so all the videos go up on there, but I'm going to start implementing more tutorials in with the podcast videos, because if you look at my channel right now, all the recent stuff is just the podcast videos, just cause I've got a lot else going on right now, but I'm going to start doing more Divi tutorials and more um, type, you know, tools and tips and tricks in and around platforms for web design. Uh, but consistency, it, consistency is a big one. And then going back to what I said earlier, if you give yourself some light at the end of the tunnel, do like a three month, you know, tear of, of content and then take a month off. You know, you could do something like that. That way it's not so overwhelming. Cause if you just say, I'm going to do a tutorial every week, it can be a little daunting until you have a system to keep up with it. And how did podcast enter the conversation? Because you started with blogging and guest blogging and then and YouTube. When did the podcast roll on the scene and why? Yeah, I so 2019, I just went through releasing a bunch of courses together. And at that point, I had like six courses and I was working on my next course, which was going to be the biggie, which is my business course. And I was planning everything out with pricing and collecting content and all the big areas of web design. Uh, and then I released that in, in the summer of 2019. And I knew that I wanted really by doing that course and getting the feedback from some amazing people, I always knew that I wanted to do a podcast because I figured it'd be a great way to build my community and my network of designers and folks such like, like yourself, Chris, 
But also, I, I knew as a podcast listener, there was something about podcasts that builds likability, trust, and uh, just a lot of other aspects that are hard to get with videos, particularly like tutorial videos. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do it. So I was actually planning on doing one the year before, but I just felt like I didn't have the time. So once I got my business course done, I knew I wanted to get going on the podcast. And I went through, I'm a big proponent and um, a fan of Pat Flynn, who's an entrepreneur and in an entrepreneurial space. Uh, but he has a podcasting course. So I invested in that. It was a big investment, but I went through that course and it rocked my world. It really helped step me up just because again, I had learned that my time is the most valuable thing. So if there's a course that's going to help me from point A to point B, then I'm going to take it. And that's exactly what I tell my students. Like, yeah, you can learn CSS on your own, but it might take you how many days or months with, you know, it's gonna be very scattered or you can go through my course and it's going to help you in a matter of hours and a matter of a couple of days. So I had that same mindset. I, I, I'm a course creator, but I take a lot of courses now too, if it's going to save me time. So went through that course, really helped set me in motion to have a successful podcast right from the start. Uh, and say for anyone do a podcast, don't launch with one episode. It was one thing I learned in that course was to launch with a few episodes. And I made it like a concert, like a big kickoff. And then I had a few episodes that I launched. I had a few episodes lined up and then I just started doing it consistently. And I've never missed a week. Right now I'm publishing uh, two episodes a week, uh, but I think I'm going to back down in the new year here, back to one or two a week, just to uh, to have some time for some other stuff, but, uh, but it's been huge, man. It's, it's been a game changer for me as a course creator because it just builds that like and trustability, trust, uh, trustability. I just made up a word, <laughs> uh, but it really, it really builds so much that videos and other types of content can't build because with a podcast, people are listening to you over and over and over and over. And as everyone can probably figure out by listening to me, I do like to talk. I like to get detailed on stuff. So it podcast lends itself to my personality really well. Because with a YouTube video, I've got to be fairly brief. I've got to be fairly swift. And I've actually, I've explored putting some of my YouTube videos as podcasts. And I had one video a while back that I did, which were like my top 10 lessons as a freelancer. And, and I had a lot of people on YouTube and on the video saying like, this was really good, but it was really long. It was like a half an hour. Well, I did it as the podcast and everyone loved it on the podcast. So it's like, it's just a difference of how you can be really detailed with podcasting. So uh, it's been a game changer for me, man. It's something I still love. I've actually learned so much from it as well, just from guests. I've taken like now, instead of just relying everything on my experience, I'm able to share what's worked for other web designers and other agencies. So uh, that's been a big game changer part of it too. And last point on podcasting is I've found it's brought so many people that are serious about their business. So the YouTube tutorials I did with Divi, a lot of people find me through there and it segues them to my podcast. But I also get a lot of people who have zero budget and are just looking for something free or something cheap and they're never going to buy a course or they're going to be like, oh, 97 bucks for a course. Oh, no. Whereas the podcast folks are serious about their business and they'll go they drop 500 bucks on my business course because they've listened to me and they've got a lot of value and it started changing their life already. So they're like, absolutely. If the podcast is this good, then the course has got to be way better. So, uh, yeah, it's been huge, man. That's awesome. Um, a question about where you're headed next. You mentioned going towards a membership and I find that people get a little hung up on these words. Like I'm going to build an online course. I'm going to build a membership site. I'm going to build a coaching program. 
I'm going to build a, a training company. I'm going to build an online community. How do you think about where you're going next and how you use those different words and what it is that you do? Yeah, it really all started with the needs of my students now. So just like with the maintenance plan, I had the need for my maintenance plan for my clients. Uh, and I should say too, once I got my podcast going, I finished up kind of my suite of web design courses. I did two more courses in the beginning of 2020, right before COVID hit. Uh, and so what, what was really interesting is once the pandemic came, I actually saw a huge influx of students yeah. in my courses because a lot of people were losing their job or they had done web design on the side and they were forced to do it like full time. So it was really an amazing time for me to, to have gotten all that stuff done. It was, is you know, I feel really fortunate to have all the, the suite of courses done right then. Um, but long story short, I ended up actually selling my web design agency, uh, just a few months ago because, uh, the course stuff had taken off. The courses were like 75% of my income at this point. So I was like, I've got to, to take this full time. Like this is the opportunity. I've been doing service work for almost a decade. One of my students is actually the one who took over my web design business. And what was really cool about that was he came through my maintenance plan course at first, then went through all my other courses, learned my systems, learned Divi, learned all my processes. So when I turned my clients over to him, I'm condensing a very long in-depth story, yeah. but uh, when I turned my clients over, it wasn't like they were working with somebody who used different tools. He used all the same tools and better yet, he used the systems that were in my courses. Trained so, by you. That's awesome. Right? Yeah, just, kind of a, just to be yeah. clear on this, how long did you run a service company and a training company at the same time? How many years? Uh, so about two years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, the first year I was doing the layouts, I wasn't doing courses yet. Uh, it was actually a year and a half exactly from the time I first built my first course and then was selling the agency. So there wasn't a switch you flipped. It was a transition. It was a transition. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. And I would, and any, anybody who is going from a, one endeavor to another, I heard a good analogy a while back. It's like swinging from a vine and <laughs> you need to make sure if you're swinging from one vine to another, that there's enough weight there to hold you. Otherwise you're going to plummet to the ground. So yeah, I didn't have a successful web design agency and then say, I'm just going to start building courses and, and get rid of it. I, I did them together. And the cool thing about doing it together was, you know, I was still actively in the industry while I was producing content. Uh, so that was a biggie, but the cool thing is too, is now kind of, as we look moving forward, um, I still retain some ownership in my agency and I'm overseeing, uh, my CEO now who took over the business and I'm, I'm still really in touch with the team and our processes. So he's basically relaying everything to me to continue on with good, relevant content for my students. Nice. Um, so that was the big thing, but yeah, I really stemmed back to the need for my students. So what I found as a course creator was the money that was, was coming in with courses was awesome. However, it's not really recurring income because it's not something that somebody buys once and it pays over and over. They just, they buy a course and that's it. Uh, and it's not really passive because you need to actively promote it and do a lot. So, uh, I had see, I had months that were really good with course sales and months that were a little down if there wasn't a launch or if there wasn't a sale or there wasn't any good promotion around it. Um, and what I found was, so number one, I wanted to have more stable recurring income with the courses, but the other aspect was the students themselves. What I found was a lot of students would come into a course or they'd go through multiple courses and they would like say it was life-changing and it was amazing and it would be awesome. But inevitably, once they're done, they would disappear unless they would intentionally reach out to me or come back to me. It was hard for me once I got several hundred students to remember like, oh, I should reach out to 
to Jimmy to see how Jimmy's doing with his business. You know, it was hard for me to do that. So what I realized was there was a big need for uh, a deeper sense of community and connection, which is what I'm actually building out right now through my membership. So my membership is going to be, I'm just calling it my web design club. And it's going to be basically a, it's a much different than a free Facebook group because it's going to be a premium type of membership where a lot of my students are going to be able to connect with each other. What I found, what I was doing was I was pairing students up with each other like crazy. So I'd have a like mastermind creation or what? Exactly. Very much like a mastermind, like a community that's private, that's going to weed out the people who are not a good fit for, you know, like if somebody has zero budget or they're not ready to invest in themselves, then I've got a free group. They can join my free Divi web designers group. Uh, But this is for people who are really serious about their business. I'm also doing like exclusive training and um, a bunch of other aspects and really cool things in the community. But it's also a place where they can connect with me because as I get more notoriety in the community, I'm not going to be able to answer every email that comes through or random message. So uh, everyone who joins my community will get a private messaging thread with me for basic questions and and basic coaching, basically. Um, And that was really the key was to bring my community of amazing students together. Because like I said, I was, I was basically playing, playing matchmaker. Like I'd have one student go through a course and they say, you've helped me out so much. I love the course. I'm ready to hire somebody. Do you know of like a designer? I'm like, Oh, I do. Yeah. Here's a list of recent designers. Here's my network. I was doing that left and right. And I still am. So the community aspect is going to be where like everyone can go and I just can't wait. I'm like, I'm really close to launching it here. Uh, so I know it's going to be a big piece and it's really going to be, I think kind of the glue that fits all the puzzle pieces together because there's a lot of things that I want to teach on and go in more in depth, but don't really fit in my courses. Uh, like I'd like to talk to people about how to get better on camera and how to do like basic videos for their business. I guess I could do a course on that, but I'd rather that be kind of a membership type of piece. Uh, That's so there's cool. a lot of, there's a lot of like little side topics like that, that are going to help my students that don't really fit into my web design courses that this membership is going to be a big part of. Uh, so just so we're clear on the model here, it's a, um, the membership is like a value add. It doesn't include courses. The courses are standalone, but then there's this continuity thing, which provides more support, more community, ancillary content that is around the ecosystem of what they're up to. That's what it is. It's not like a membership that includes all your courses, right? Exactly. Yeah. The courses are still separate. They're their own standalone things. And and I debated on putting the courses in the membership, but I just, I've got hours and hours of content in the courses and it would, it would just be overwhelming if you join a membership and there's like a hundred hours of stuff to go through. It just doesn't lend itself for success for the students. So do you see people, do you see people joining the membership only after having taken a course or they might join and then realize like, Oh, I might want to take this course or both either, or choose your own adventure. I I think it'll be both. And maybe we could schedule a uh, follow up on (laughs) this next year to like, I'll I'll kind of fill you in on what I've learned with the membership alongside courses. But I have heard from people who do both that they feed into each other. I think that more people will go through courses first and then they'll come to the membership as the sense of connection. What's interesting is I built up a little member interest email list and I've been doing some calls and some Q and A's with people who are my students who are interested in the membership and they're like fired up. They're like, I can't wait to join. I'm ready to go like right now just because they're dying for that sense of community. That's at a whole nother level than a free Facebook group or a course group. So 
Uh, yeah, I think it's going to feed both, but I have a feeling that most people will come through courses first. And in the membership is going to be that piece that really engages them, really connects them. And I think it'll be a really good upsell for people who like maybe they go through my business course and then they join the membership and then they hear talk people talking about my SEO course and they're like, you know what? I need to take Josh's SEO course. And then they go through that. So I, I'm pretty sure it's going to feed really nicely with each other. Uh, and I, I'll definitely, we'll do a round two if you want and I'll fill yeah, yeah. out what I learned. Yeah, we'll definitely check in a year from now and see lessons learned. What, what, um, in terms of pricing, I'm just asking you because we get all these questions. I'm not asking you specifically on price point, but are you thinking of like a monthly thing or an annual thing or both options? options? Yeah, both. Yeah. So right now, I'm I'm like 99% sure I'm rolling with 99 a month for the membership. Although I'm going to give founding members. a 20% discount. Early adopter. Nice. Yeah, Early adopter discount. So if you join within a few months, I'm going to set the deadline. You'll get it for like 79 a month. And that will include everything in the membership with trainings, weekly Q and A's, the private coaching thread with me and and everything that's involved with the membership. Uh, But then there'll be an annual and I'm thinking annual, I'll probably do for like the 999 for the you want to say, but then uh, I will be giving discounts to students who are already in a course. So if they want to upgrade to the membership, then they'll get a special student discount. Uh, cause I'm a big believer in not being a cable company, meaning you want to give your best deals to the people who are already a customer. Wow. Like, yeah. Cable I love companies, that. <laughs> cable yeah. companies, the typical, like we're going to give our best deals to new people. And then what happens after a year, they hike up your prices. Uh, wow. so I'm, I'm a big believer. in if you get a student or you get a, a customer, treat them even better as the years go on, give them more discounts as time goes on. Cause you'll make a client for life. So, uh, yeah, pricing model wise, that's what I'm looking at. Eventually I might do more tiers for like more advanced coaching, uh, or maybe even a basic level of the membership that maybe doesn't have access to me. I, I might explore that, but for right now I'm keeping it just 99 a month or 99 a year with discounts to students. Yeah. Man, this is awesome. Cool. Well, I want to kind of wrap it up with one question just to kind of uh, put a button on it. And you had, you talked about uh, in our episode where I was on your podcast about um, competition and being different in the space and, and all this, like, I mean, there, there are other web design courses and memberships and stuff like that. What, not like who are your competition, but how do you think about competition? Because I see that hold back a lot of would be course creators or people want to build a coaching program or an online community or membership. What, what is your perspective on competition? It really goes back to the Divi community, I think, because that community is so open and everyone's sharing their code and sharing what they learned. It really, put the bug in me that, you know, you don't need to have this dog eat dog mentality online. And even if it's a different industry, you can share what you know, and you can actually help your competition. And, uh, I like to call it, and I didn't come up with this word. I stole it from some of my competitors, but, it, uh, they call it coopetition yeah. to where, yeah, you have competition, but you can co-op, uh, cooperate with them. So, um, some of my competitors are like Divi Life and Divi Space and some of these uh, plug-in and, and course and theme creator companies, but they're some of my best friends. I have them on my podcast and then eventually we're going to be doing trainings together. Like right. I'm going to have them to do a, a webinar on my membership or uh, what, what's really been interesting is is the creators of, of those two companies in particular, they have a course together. They have their own Divi business course. And I've had a lot of students go through both of our courses. And the cool thing about that is some, some people might say, why would you go through two Divi business courses? Well, each one of our courses are based solely off of our experience 
in web design, there's no right or wrong. So the way I do contracts and proposals and my onboarding process looks different than the way they do it. But if somebody goes through both courses, they can learn so much and they can apply what they want to do in their business. So I've had a lot of students say, I really like the way they do certain processes, but I like the way you do this. And then they make it their own and it's amazing. So uh, yeah, big on co-opetition. Um, I think, yeah, like we have comp- competing stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm not looking to get every person in the Divi market. And then as a web designer, you're likely not going to be able to work with every person in the world that needs a website. <laughs> so just stay in your lane and just, it can be you. And it was the same principle with my Divi group, my Facebook group. There was a ton of other groups, but I just, instead of like looking at their numbers and being worried about, you know, how many subscribers they were getting or whatever, I just focused on being genuine and being real and real and helpful. And that's how my group grew. And it's the same principle that I applied to my, uh, my courses. And it's actually the same principle that I pulled from my web design agency. We had a lot of competitors, but I wasn't trying to compete with them. I was like, you know what? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. There's plenty of people who need websites. I'm not going to try to get every person in Columbus who needs a website. So I just focused on my, you know, a few clients that turned into a few more and then it built up from there. So yeah, that's, that's the biggie, man. Coopetition, all about it. And it'll actually, you learn a lot from your competitors if you're friends with them and you're not worried, you know, and I know my episode that I had you on for my podcast, Chris, you talked about Justin and, and, uh, learn dash, you know, you, you guys are friendly competition as well, but I know you're cool with each other. It's not like you see Justin at a word camp and give him the side eye. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe I haven't seen you, but I, I can't imagine <laughs> you're that kind of person, you know? So, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be like that. There's plenty of fish in the sea, uh, digital sea, I guess. And, um, and it just makes life better. Like it sucks waking up trying to compete with somebody when there's no need for that. You can help each other out and then you can really make a big impact and um, you can actually wake up and enjoy your day and, and love getting online. So yeah, I want totally. to make the web a, be- a more friendly place. That's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. It's about the infinite game. Like there's, there's a lot of resources and uh, uh, like customers out there or whatever. It's more infinite than a fixed game where there's only so many. I mean, you can't yeah, build a website I'll, for everybody in the world. Yes. So. And, and also just real quick, I know we're on a time crunch, but um, I will often promote and recommend my competitors. So somebody in my Divi group a while back said, um, hey, there's a bunch of Divi CSS courses. Which one should I go with? And a lot of some of the other course creators popped in and they were like, go with my course. It's way better than the other ones. <laughs> and I tried to take a different approach. Yeah. So I said, Hey man, I, I said, yeah, there's a lot of good options. And I said, you know, it might come down to who you resonate with. I said, look at the course overviews, look at the budget to see if it aligns with everything. Um, and just make sure it's somebody who you resonate with. And I said, you know, here are all of the people I know and trust that create Divi courses. And either way, no matter what route you go, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be taken care of, but I would just encourage you to choose who, you know, you, you want to be your teacher and your guide. Uh, and that person went with my course after I posted that. So like, oddly enough, recommending a bunch of other courses was the the catalyst for them to join my course. So that's awesome. Try, so try that, that out next time. <laughs> like that. So that's Josh Hall. He's at joshhall.co. If you're an expert type person, subject matter expert, go check out his website. I think it's such a great example of having content courses and all these different things that work together for a clear customer. If you're a WordPress professional or agency, go check out his business course, check out his membership. Josh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Any final words for the people as we sign off here? 
Thanks for having me on, Chris. I really enjoyed my time with it, man. I would just say, just think about your mission and just align your content and your plans around you know the impact you want to make. It sounds cheesy. It sounds really entrepreneurial and corporate-y, but uh, if you keep that at the heart of it, then it's life will never get boring and you'll be able to do all kinds of cool stuff. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.